Are you struggling to get leads and stand out in your business? Join us for an eye-opening conversation with Gene Kuhn, a serial entrepreneur who transformed two bankrupt businesses using low-cost, no-cost marketing strategies, and discover how email marketing can boost your sales and learn why it's crucial for women entrepreneurs to pay attention to this episode. This episode of the Lead Machine Growth Show is brought to you by Lead Machine, the step-by-step tech easy system for getting leads online. Are you struggling to get leads from your lead magnet? Are you tired of seeing low conversion rates and losing potential customers? It's time to revive your lead magnet and start attracting more leads. Download our free report, 10 Deadly Lead Magnet Mistakes That Are Costing You Leads, and learn how to create a high converting lead magnet that engages your audience and drives conversions. Don't let common mistakes hold you back any longer. Revive your lead magnet today and download your free report at www.getleadmachine.com forward slash deadly. Welcome to the Lead Machine Growth Show, where you will discover how to tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream. Paul Guyen, the mastermind behind the Lead Machine, introduces you to trailblazers who inspire you to implement life-changing solutions and systems you can model to nurture your leads and get your offers seen by your ideal clients who will invest in themselves and you. Be sure you visit our website at www.leadmachinegrowthshow.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, tune in and get ready to transform your vision into reality. Welcome to the Lead Machine Growth Show. I'm Paul Guyon, your host, Lead Machine Coach, and founder of the Lead Machine Mastermind Group. I'm dedicated to helping you tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream. Whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, let's get this conversation started and turn your dreams into reality. Our guest today is Jean Kuhn. She's a serial entrepreneur, as I told you. And she became self-employed on April 29th, 1985 at 8.52 p.m., very specific, when the nurse put that first baby in her arms and she immediately knew she wasn't ever going to back to a job she hated. In 2002, Jean bought her first bankrupt franchise business and turned it into a profitable cash-generating cash generating machine in 12 months. In 2006, she bought another bankrupt franchise and turned and created another cash generating machine in less than 12 months. In both cases, she added $100,000 to the bottom line for each company in the first year. She did this with no list, no help or training from the franchise, and no budget for marketing. She created low-cost, no-cost marketing strategies, which I know I'm interested in, that she still teaches her clients today. Jean has been a successful business strategist since 2006 when she started helping all types of businesses grow and scale their businesses. She's here today to share some of those low-cost, no-cost marketing strategies with you. And welcome, Jean. It's nice to see you again. Uh, The last time I think we saw each other, well, we had a pre-call a few minutes ago, but uh, it was in 2015 at the Ultimate Mastermind Summit in Chicago, and that was quite an event. 
Yeah, Paul, thank you for having me here today. It's really super fun to, to be here and talk to you. But yeah, 2015, doesn't that seem literally like a lifetime ago? It really does. And uh, as I recall, th there were there were a couple hundred people there and lots of great speakers. And and it was just a lot of fun. I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off because I was running the operation side of things. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a blind audio engineer who was recording the whole thing. And and really? so, yeah, yeah, his name's Kevin Reeves. And uh, uh, I was his um, handler, I guess it was what you would call it. Uh, but he's just an amazing talent. And, and we even jammed after in the after party. But but I digress. Uh, let's talk about you and uh, what you've been up to and what makes you different now uh, that you've been in into the coaching business for uh, for all this time. I think one of those things is kind of your approach to to marketing and getting businesses to grow. So can we talk about that? Yeah. So uh, you want to know, do you want to know what those five things are? I do. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm happy to share that. So um, listen, I, when I opened that first store, uh, well, first of all, interesting story. When I opened that first store, somebody told me it was for sale, this bankrupt chocolate store. And I went to the little town that it was in. It's called LaGrange, Illinois. And I, she told me it was in LaGrange. I'm like, no way, right? I said, I've been to that place. It's a hellhole, right? Boarded up buildings. No, I'm not interested. It was about 40 minutes from my house. And uh, she says, no, go look at it. Go look at it. The whole town has been revitalized. They have a business association that's revitalized all the businesses down there. I went down there and I fell in love with the little town, oh. but I went looking for that store and I'm walking up and down the sidewalk. She said, it's just past the theater on the left-hand side of LaGrange Road. So I'm walking up and down and I cannot find the store. I mean, it's like, how hard could this be, right? It's storefront after storefront after storefront in one small little city block. Mm -hmm. And finally I took a, I took a step back toward the, the uh, sidewalk and I looked up and I was standing in front of the store, but every <laughs> time I had walked by it, I thought it was a florist. I was looking for a chocolate store. Mm. So the person who owned it, she had put a, she had pushed the fudge table up against the window. The fudge table was covered with this dusty raggedy cloth. And then it was just scaled um, like a, like a tiered, uh, tiered shelf right? With silky, dirty, silky, dusty flower arrangements. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was a florist when I walked by and not even a nice one at, at that. And so first of all, I knew right off the bat, these people do not know what their message is, right? No yeah. wonder it's bankrupt. So the messaging there said, Hey, we're a dusty, dirty florist. Come on in. And, and buy chocolate. I, and, well, you couldn't even see that it was a chocolate store. There was yeah. no indication on the outside that it was a chocolate store. The only way I knew is above the brick. And I literally had to stretch my neck to look up the store. The sign was up there above the, but you couldn't see it when you were walking next to the buildings. And um, right there, then and there, I knew, okay, this is, this is a problem that's easy to fix. But when I walked into the store, the, met the, the messaging continued of that we are not a chocolate store. The cases were almost bare. There was nothing basically to buy in the store, maybe some jelly beans and licorice or something, but nothing to buy in the store. 
And I thought, okay, problem number two is <laughs> they don't have anything you can buy, right? <laughs> so maybe if we fix that problem, that would be it. Um, this particular franchise specializes in caramel apples, right? Homemade caramel apples. There was, I don't know, four or five caramel apples on the shelf. Again, didn't look edible, didn't look appetizing. Nobody was buying what those were. And um, and yet I was still intrigued, right? Because I had a friend who had one of these franchises in another city and I've been to that one and I know what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. So I thought, well, if we can fix the messaging to say, hey, come on in, we're a, real, a high-end candy store, that's going to improve things right off the bat. So I ended up buying it. Um, I kept going back to look at it, making different times of the day, trying to figure out what, you know, how are people really coming here? And if so, God, why are they coming there? Right. But people were still walking in the door. And I knew if we could fix the little problems that they had, we could turn that store around in no time flat. So that was number one. Okay. The messaging. The messaging, right? Yeah. If you have to have, like you you were saying for you, you have to have the messaging right in your business. Yeah. Because if your people think that's something different, you're not going to sell anything, right? So right. Um, number two was customer service. Oh. So once we got in there and realized what all the, it was so much worse. After we bought it, it was so much worse than we thought. And um, realized that uh, they didn't have any customer service. So imagine in today's world, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, you walk into a store and you see anybody touching any food product with their bare hands. What do you immediately think? Right? Not buying. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Well, you still get that. You got that vibe too. And that was a big problem that all of the employees touched everything with their hands. And listen, that's fine in your own kitchen but it's not fine in a retail establishment. No, not so, um, so some of the things we had to fix, customer service, that's a big piece of customer service for me. But the other piece of customer service is they weren't very nice to everybody that were coming into the door, right? <laughs> yeah. So we had, to, we had to basically start it over from scratch, literally dumped all the product, put fresh product, filled the shelves so it looked like there was things to buy in there. And then um, really just started being nice to people, started talking to people, welcoming, welcoming, welcoming them in to the store and then standing outside sampling them when they ah. walked by because so many people didn't know that that was a candy store at all. Yeah. There was no indication that it was. Right? <laughs> if you weren't looking like this when you walked by with your head up in the air, and your nose up in the air, you didn't know that that was a candy store. So it was really the customer service is so important. And it's such a free piece of marketing that you can do. Your employees need to be trained to do uh, to speak nicely, thank people for coming in, thank them for spending money with you, say please and thank you, and uh, give them a reason to come back, right? So that's that piece right there was the biggest piece for me is fixing that customer service. Once we did that, things started to change. Mm -hmm. So um, number two was, number two was for um, sampling, right? Number three. Number, I'm sorry, number, number three was sampling. So sampling is um, 
Don't you always want a sample when you go into a chocolate store? Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. They weren't sampling anybody. And honestly, probably a good thing because the stuff there was seriously, we threw out so much product because it was so old and out of date. So we filled it up with fresh stuff. We would stand outside and sample the uh, people that walked by because we had restaurants on both sides of us. So we had a really nice dinner crowd and an evening crowd there. Mm. And um, once we started making apples and spinning apples in the front window and making fudge on the table and um, creating just a candy atmosphere in there, holy cow, things things started to change pretty fast for us. And um, But sampling is such an important piece. And that's an important piece in everybody's business, right? All of these five marketing strategies, six marketing strategies, whatever I'm going to talk about today, um, you can do these in any business. So customer service is really super easy to do in your business. Just be nice to people. Give them an experience. Everybody in, in 2023, we're not looking so much for pricing anymore as we're looking for an experience no matter where we go. Sampling is the same thing. Every single person, no matter what business you're in, can sample their people, their customers, their ideal clients with the product or service that they offer. So for you, right, you're offering your services. You sample them by doing the podcast. Right. I sample by going out and speaking or in my podcast. So these, these are small little ways to do that. But how can you have to really think outside the box? How can I sample my ideal client? so that they can get a flavor of what I do, maybe even a a taste, if you will, right? Of what I do so that they know whether or not they wanna pursue a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a relationship with you as a business owner. So, make sense? Yep, and that could be Uh, a lead, that could be a lead magnet even. Absolutely, that could be. There's so many ways to sample people these days, right? In business, so Uh that's, Oh my gosh, that's two right there, right? So speaking, customer service is actually sampling too. Yeah. Uh, a lead magnet is a great idea. And I bet if we thought about it, we could probably, um, when if when if you're, um, free quotes, right? Speaking, speaking is a sample. That All of yeah. that is sampling uh, your ideal clients whenever you have the opportunity to do that. So, yeah. The next one is because I, I get lost in the thing. Um, <laughs> We're four. Right? We're four. Okay. Um, the next one was email marketing. When mm-hmm. I bought that store, oh my gosh, and I love email marketing so much. I've been talking about it a lot lately. Uh, when I bought that store, Constant Contact was just starting to run ads on the on commercials. So I immediately mm-hmm. went to a class in the Chicago area, and I loved it because I thought, oh here's something I can do, right? I can write a newsletter. I like to write if it amuses me, right? I don't (laughs) want to write on purpose. I don't want to write, I don't want to write, I didn't at that time want to write a book. I wanted to write to amuse myself because when you buy a bankrupt business, there is not a lot of paycheck going home. So I needed to find a way to get my personality out there without being snarky because I was mad about not getting a paycheck. Right. And have a little fun with it. And it probably, I probably worked for four years in that store. Um, Even though we added a hundred thousand at the bottom line to start with, I kept reinvesting everything that we were doing back in that store, probably for four years to get it exactly where we wanted it. New equipment, 
uh, we eventually had to remodel it and things like that. So, um, and a sign, pardon me, and, and a sign, and we, a sign. We did, we did yeah. get a new sign too. Yeah. So, yeah. um, email marketing was really fun for me, but here's what I learned about email marketing. It wasn't just about me amusing myself, right? There were five ways that you can write an email marketing. I'm going to share that with you too, why you should do email marketing in your business today. Um, and how to make how to connect with other people through your email marketing, because if you're um, I'm trying to think who really sends out poor email marketing like uh, Macy's or um, who else sounds any sort of big box brand store, Target or Walmart or whatever they are, they really don't do email marketing justice. They really are just sending you out a sales flyer in your yeah. email, right? Buy my yeah. stuff. Right. So when I started doing email marketing. I started, I, I, I don't even know why. I think it's because I wanted to write for fun. And I started just every single email with a little something personal about me. And I didn't realize, honestly, I was just too naive to know what I was doing at the time. But I realized later that that couple little sentences there at the beginning, 20 some years ago when I started that was my connection to the customers. Mm -hmm. So they got to know me other than just in a business owner. They got, to, I got to connect with them over being a mom. Uh, my daughter worked in the store. My sons worked in the store. Um, my husband worked in the store. It truly was a family business, right? So I would mm -hmm. share little stories, little tiny stories, nothing more than three or four sentences. And I was that mom, Paul, and I'm not ashamed to say it because some women has to say it, that I was always wondering why the hell teachers got the whole summer off when I needed to work and now my kids are going to be home all summer. Right? So some <laughs> of my emails would start like, oh my God, who gave the, who gave the teachers the summer off? My kids need to go to school all year long because I don't know what to do with them and I don't want to bring them here to work every single day. <laughs> so it was just something to make another mom laugh. But I realized there's a lot of ways to connect with people. You can connect through kids. You can connect through being a mom. You can connect through um, pets or jobs you've had or just a, a marriage, right? My employees used to, we, my husband and I did work together when we started. And mm -hmm. then it got to the point where when we were, when I found that we were bickering a lot in the store and my employees were laughing at us because we were fighting in the store, right? I'm like, oh, that has to stop immediately, right? That has to stop. We can't do this, not only in front of the employees, but we don't want to be doing that if a customer walks in the door. One of us had to go home and I chose him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably good. Probably good that you did that because you, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't want your business to, to harm your other relationships either. Exactly. Well, that's exactly it. Right. Yeah. And he uh -huh. would come in and work like certain things that we needed extra help with Valentine's day and things like that. Speaking of that, my daughter never went to school from middle school to high school on Valentine's day or the day before this was truly a family business you don't hire for two or three days out of the year when you need extra help. It was right. all hands on deck for Valentine's day. And yeah. I felt I feel a little bad now that I pulled her out, but you know, she's 33. She, she didn't realize what she was missing in high school on Valentine's day. So it's okay. <laughs> so um, anyway, back to that, but you've got to find that connection with them. Right. I walked into one of the, the, the second store that I bought um, one day and a woman was on the phone and she was like, 
oh my God, jeans in the store, jeans in the store. Like, I, I mean, she's making me feel like a little bit like Oprah, right? Like Oprah yeah. was in the store. And I, when she got off the phone, I said, I'm so sorry. I don't know who you are. I don't know your name. And she says, oh, you don't know me, but I know you because your picture's in your newsletter. Uh, and I read your newsletter faithfully every month. Like, oh. yes, right? Yes, that's yeah. the kind of thing you want to hear. But I was doing that to form a connection. When my daughter graduated college, I put her picture in the newsletter, I would feature employees and stuff, but I put her picture in there in her cap and gown. And I talked about how proud I was that she just graduated as an RN. These nice. are people who had been waiting on her from the time she was 12 years old to the time she finished college, right? Yeah. These are, I'm sorry, these are people she was waiting on for that amount of time. Yeah. And they, they knew her and they loved her. And I had a woman email me back probably within a couple hours and said, thank you for sharing the picture of your daughter. She said, my daughter's a nurse too, but she had to take off a semester to have twin baby girls. She said, but she's going back next semester. And I so am so glad that you shared that picture of your daughter. And I'm like, this is how you connect with your your customers. I think that story right there is the one that really got me to understand that how important that connection is because I did not know who she was. She lived yeah. in Tennessee. My store was in Chicago. The only way, or is in LaGrange, the only way she'd have, she could have gotten on my list is if she had been in my store. There was only one way to get on my list and that was signing up in the store. So she lived, she, she's in Tennessee. She can't even buy my product. And she's, and she's reading my newsletters, right? And again, <laughs> yeah. that's another thing that happens when you write from a place of service rather than sales. Yeah. Not too long after that, Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory, which was my franchise that I bought, well, I don't usually say that, but um, not too long after that, they decided to get give every single franchise, because I was having a lot of success with it, they decided to give every franchisee a uh, subscription to constant contact. Oh. But the franchise decided I'll, we'll make it even easier. We'll write it for you. Mm. And I refused. I refused to take it because yeah. do you know exactly what it was full of? Macy's stuff. Yeah. yeah. Buy, buy my stuff. Buy my stuff. We've got white chocolate. We've got dark chocolate. We've got pretzels. We've got marshmallows. We've got milk chocolate, right? And it was all about sales. And my people had never experienced that, right? Now I would put coupons in there that I would get a much bigger return than I would on an $850 Clipper ad too. So yeah. I used my newsletter to promote products or promote a special at one special every month, but I also gave them coupons. And that was the only way you could get coupons for our store was through our newsletter. So you've got to be, okay. So that was number one. Yeah. Subject line, yes, something personal was number two. Um, the next piece was something educational. This is where I would talk about a product that we made in the store or something cute that we made. We had a lot of creative leeway in that store. We could make really cool things. So when Minions came out, uh, one of my employees took some marshmallows and dipped them in colored chocolate and de decorated them like Minions. We <laughs> literally could not keep them in the store. We probably were violating some sort of copyright. <laughs> no doubt. By doing it, but we we couldn't keep them in the store. So, or, or our chocolate dipped strawberries, or whatever it was, whatever I would have a different 
uh, a different special every single time I sent the email out. Speaking of that, here's here's a little bonus piece for if you have a retail store and you're you're selling. So in those early days, when it when I was there and there was nothing going on in that store, and somebody would walk in by chance, whatever mm-hmm. they offered them, I was like, oh, that's a great choice because today those are buy three get one free. I would upsell them and I play, would play the what else game. How many times could I say to them what else before they would stop <laughs> buying? Right? So you have to figure out those ways that you're going to, how are you going to upsell? And that for me was number one, I knew I wasn't going to make a lot of money if I were selling one piece of chocolate. They were big pieces for $5 if they came in and bought one. But if they came in and bought four, that's a $20 sale. I'm okay with the margins and they're only taking $15 right? But you've got to know in any sort of business, you should know exactly what your average ticket price is Mm. and be aware of where your margins are. So I was always looking to find out, uh, making sure that my margins were higher than the average store. I knew exactly that our our, um, ticket price was about $8.13. How could I raise that? What 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 else can I get for you, right? Right. So yeah. doing that. All right. So let's go on to uh, what number are we on now? Number four in number the four. Number okay, four. Number four. Email marketing. Yeah. Email marketing. <laughs> so we just talked about giving some education there. So I and that education also looked like what's going on in town, right? We are in the downtown area. So every time we had some sort of downtown, uh, or we would do a craft fair every year, and there would be a carnival every year that was downtown, and girls night out or whatever it was, I was always promoting what was going on in town, not just for me, but for all the other uh, storefronts as well, right? We They all benefited from my uh, newsletter. Now they could all do the same thing, but most of them weren't, right? Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're talking about that. The next thing is, is something interesting. And for interesting, I chose to do a recipe. What I would just go to allrecipes.com look up a recipe for something with chocolate in it, change the recipe. I give them credit for it, by the way. I give all recipes. This recipe came from all recipes. The only change I would make would say when it said six ounces of milk chocolate, it now said six ounces of Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory milk chocolate. (laughs) So you can only get that here. Right. Find something interesting that you can share with them. And of course, there was always a chocolate alcoholic beverage recipe to go along with that. And then the last piece of email marketing is you've got to have a call to action. And that's really Mm -hmm. why I would put coupons in my, my newsletter. I wanted, I wanted to give them a reason to bring that back in. And we had a really liberal policy on that. And that liberal policy was bring us anybody's coupon, any other chocolate store. There was three chocolate stores within a block and a half in that store. I was on one end, Fannie Mae, Fannie Mae was on the other end, and there was a Kilwins chocolate that moved in right across the street from us. Ah. Now, here's the interesting thing. Kilwins did email marketing as well, except they their franchisee did an email for their franchise. Their franchisor did an email for the franchisees. Right. Which, when you have competition, you should know what your competition is doing. And my husband was really good about following up and reading their franchisee newsletter because they put it in the menu at the bottom. It's uh, the bottom of their website, right? 
So we found out one day that they were doing a fudge for soldiers promotion. That's the franchisor was sending it to the franchisees and they put their personal, you know, their franchisee newsletter there. And he's, he told me about it. I am within 12 hours. I had a banner made, was shaped like a flag in the middle of the flag. It said fudge for soldiers by their, their promotion was buy a pound and we'll send a pound to the to soldiers. Mine was buy a half a pound and we'll send a pound to the soldiers. <laughs> couldn't run their own promotion because I beat them to it. Now, am I ashamed of that? Heck no. Right? <laughs> Heck no. Know what your franchisees are doing, uh, your uh, your competition is doing, and then beat them to the punch. That was my motto, right? <laughs> First of all, they shouldn't share that franchisee newsletter with the general public and if they were, we were going to take full advantage of it. So Kilwins did not last more than a couple of years there. And then they were gone. And then we were back to two because they opened up about 18 months after I bought that store. And I could see them from my front window. And it irritated me every single time I looked out that window and I saw another chocolate store directly kitty corner from my store. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was not playing fair, in my opinion. Right. That wasn't playing fair. No, uh, that was not playing fair. So I'm like, well, I'm not playing fair now. Right. Why would you open up right across the street from another chocolate store? Dumb, dumb move. So um, email well, McDonald's does that. I know they do. Right. Next to a Burger yeah. King or, yeah. or something oh, yeah. like that. Oh, I get wow. it. Right? Lowe's does it right next to Home Depot. Uh-huh. Right. A lot of places do it. But I. They've never had to market against Gene Kuhn. I'm just going to say that right there. They've never <laughs> had to market that way. So, and then your call to action, right? Here's some yeah. here. And a, it was a gentle call to action. It's like, I'm not even saying come in and buy this. I'm like, we have baskets for the holidays. We have a big chocolate Easter bunny for, for Easter. And we have, uh, we only ran our caramel apple special twice. So there was always something to promote that they wanted. So- yeah. I didn't feel bad about that at all. So email marketing is something um, you can definitely do. And to finish up that story about Kilwins is I won a uh, a franchisee award for one of the best promotional promotions that Rocky had ever run, which was the Fudge for Soldiers. So well, it was such a well-run program in my store that they rolled out that same program to all of their franchisees. Wow. So not only did we steal it and put Kilwins out in, in uh, <laughs> our little town, our and I don't even know, our, our franchise probably did not know that we stole that from Kilwins, but um, they stole the entire program for all their franchises. From <laughs> so gotta be, you have to pay attention to what your franchise is doing. Uh, number yeah. three, so now we're back to number three of marketing. Yeah. Number three is strategic volunteering. Now, strategic volunteering is a, a, a phrase that my friend Christy Ellis and I kind of came up with when oh, yeah. we were, do you know Christy? I do. Yeah. She was just in Chicago last week. I had dinner with her last Wednesday. Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, so strategic volunteering is take, she doesn't, let me give you a perfect story about Christy and strategic volunteering because what she did, what she does, or she did, her daughters were about nine years old. Uh, she was a realtor in Ahwatukee, Arizona, and mm -hmm. she would take her little girls every Saturday morning 
and she would videotape this, take them to the Humane Society, and she would videotape or take pictures of them playing with puppies or reading to puppies. And I'm like, I made sure I watched her videos every single Saturday morning, right? Because if you show me a picture of a puppy, you and I are best friends forever, ever, whether you want to be or not, right? <laughs> I could not get enough of that. But this was a really strategic way that Christie showed as a realtor, an upscale realtor in Ahwatukee, the good that she does in her community, yeah. right? She was showing that she cares about animals and she was taking her daughters to help out with the animals. And the pictures and the videos were just stinking adorable. Her daughters just went away to college this year. Right? Oh, Seems like forever ago. Wow. But um, so, and she's won a, uh, um, businesswoman of the year a couple times in her community, right? She was doing something right. When I when I used it, I used it to uh, sell our summer art project throughout all of the businesses in, in uh, the town. We created our art project. We paid to have the art done. We put it, we displayed it in throughout town for the whole year. And then it was auctioned off for good at the end. But there's a lot of different ways. I have a client who was in the little town who's a financial planner. And his way he uses, uses strategic volunteering is there is a zoo. It's called the Brookfield Zoo in um, Chicago. In Chicago, And he was invited to be on the board of directors for the Brookfield Zoo. But it comes with a $25,000 price tag. Why oh. would he do that? Right? Why would he do that and become a board member there? Because... It wasn't, they have a lot of galas and a lot of black tie events. And it's his, the donors were his ideal clients. To put oh. himself in front of all of his ideal clients was a very small price to pay to be in their company all the times because you know as well as I do, it's the, the big guys, the CEO, C-suite people that is hard to get in front of if that's your ideal client. And he yeah. found a way to get in front of his ideal clients that way. Nice. Strategically volunteering. You right. can do this as well. You can do this in your community too, right? Everybody can strategic volunteer. Where should you be seen that's in front of your ideal clients, right? I put myself right. in front of my ideal clients by selling our art project. I didn't do anything but introduce myself to the all of my neighbors that had been there for four years while I was there that I didn't know. And my sales went up 30% that year. And I didn't do anything different than meet and talk to the other business owners in town. I didn't do anything else. That was all I did. But I welcomed there and I never went out to make a sale without bringing a caramel apple or some chocolate dipped strawberries with me, right? Nobody <laughs> turned me away. So, well, yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. those are, yeah, those are some fun things there. Um, and then do we still have time to go? Do we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, I like the idea of strategic uh, volunteering. Um, when I first got into um, my authorship, when I, my first book was a cookbook. It was oh. called F Food to the Rescue Cookbook. And, and I partnered with the local food rescue organization. They're called Food Rescue of Northwest Michigan. And uh, they were they were just a startup. And um, I said, hey, I've got an idea for a cookbook. All I need is someone for, uh, on your in, on your team to, to work with me 
to uh, introduce me to some of your uh, of your people. And we got chefs, we got celebrities, and we got the local people who were followers for my rock band. Oh, they, wow. all, they all contributed uh, over a hundred recipes to uh, this. So in, we, long story short, a hundred donors in a hundred days. So we we built a following by by doing this community cookbook, and so I became the the chairman of the um, not the chairman the uh, the chairman of the marketing uh, committee uh, for that organization for four or five years. And and today, uh, we had one little crapped up. Uh, rusty old pickup truck and we picked up you know maybe uh, a couple hundred pounds of food from fresh food from that was like, soon to expire uh now they've got i think six huge trucks and they 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 pick up millions of pounds every year and those turn in, into meat into meals for the hungry oh, and, so, wow. and what that did for me was published author doing good in the community and and i learned a lot from that I created a digital book and I went, nobody wanted it. They all wanted a hard copy. So I had to figure out how to get it printed. And, and I had a sales mechanism and, and all that and, and uh, learned a heck of a lot. And I, and I got some visibility, you know, and, and, and got confident with, with uh, selling. And I, I, I had to convince the board that, uh, that I was the real deal. And, uh, and sure enough, they, they wanted me to be on their marketing committee, which was, you know, huge, nice wow. feather in the cap. So yeah, um, and it's it doesn't take very much, does it, for for no. one person to make a difference in a small community? And you know, uh, I'm still, I still see those uh, rock band fans. In fact, my rock band had a uh, reunion just this past weekend, and there were thousands of people there. And they're hey, Pound and Paul. That's that's my nickname. <laughs> I'm a drummer. Uh, hey, Pound and Paul. You know. I forgot to tell you about you need to put that uh, that cream of mushroom soup. They need to add that to that recipe I gave you, and uh, you know they're still talking about it. And this is you know 15 years later, and so. Uh, but and you know I'm not part of that organization or affiliated anymore because they they were absorbed by by uh, goodwill. Uh, but there's just a lot of goodwill that you do, and you may never see a return on it until maybe the end end of your life right when it's time to go on to the next destination the next destination so it's worth doing so i applaud you for for making that one of your low cost no cost ways of uh of generating and growing business what else you, you I'm have hoping something that, I, i'm hoping that that will um give me some angel points when they know i stole from my uh, uh a neighbor for, uh business owner when I stole their promotion. Well, I think what you were doing was you were modeling their success. It was a good idea. And and they just, they failed to execute and you ran with it. You so know? in their defense, I literally, we literally got that up within 24 hours of them posting it to their franchisees, right? Yeah. So I, I, I am a fast, fast implementer. So, um, okay. Well, yeah, and money loves speed. It sure does. And, sure and, does. and done, done is the new perfect. I mean, sometimes you just, you just have to, you have to publish it and get it out there and, and you have to take action. And I'm all about taking action. In fact, uh, that's, that's part of my mantra is faith and action go hand in hand. And, uh, and, and faith is a big, big, a big thing for me uh, because you need to trust that 
okay, things are going to turn out, but I need to, I need to be part of the solution. I need to be part of part of what's happening. I can't just wait for things to be dropped in my lap. You've, right. got, to, you've got to take action. And that's what you've been doing. Yeah. So tell us about the uh, your mascot that got stolen. Oh my gosh. Um, so this this happened six months after we bought that bankrupt business. It was a it was uh, I'm sorry, February 15th. There's nothing going on in a chocolate store the day after Valentine's Day. Right. His 17-year-old son was working there. And it was it was dusk. The snow was just lightly falling. The street lights were on and it was beautiful. And I know because it's in the police report that um, <laughs> up pulls in front of my store a uh, white panel van. It, the door flies open, out jump two masked robbers. They grab our big stuffed teddy bear, right? They grabbed the big stuffed teddy bear. And I, that was probably worth more money than we had in the store because literally there's nothing going on in a chocolate store the day after Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they they threw him into the van and took off. And the guy who had a tuxedo shop right next door to us was standing in the window watching all of this. And then after that, he, he literally you would open one door and then you could go right into our store. And he walked in and he said to my son, uh, you've been robbed, right? You've been robbed. And my son didn't know what he was talking about because he'd been in the back room sitting at the desk, God doing God knows what, right? <laughs> so um, he calls me and he's like, mom. And he was scared to talk to me about that. He was scared to tell me that the bear got stolen on his watch. And I was like, oh, thank God. Something finally interesting is happening. And <laughs> I immediately started reaching out to my fellow franchisees. I'm like, I need a picture of truffles. Our bear was just bear napped. So while I'm waiting for some franchisee to send me a picture of the bear, I started writing a press release. And when I wrote the press release, it <laughs> went out to every, every radio station, television, television station, and newspaper way back in the day when we were had newspapers, right? Yeah. Um, talking about how our bear was bear napped and it was <laughs> stolen right out from underneath. It's felony theft at that point, right? Mm -hmm. um, I get the, the uh, value of the bear. It's over $300, which made it a felony. And um, I wasn't looking to jam some kid up, right? Because I had... I had a boy who was 17 years old who did plenty of dumb things, right? So I knew that that was just two teenage boys that were having some fun. And I was going to milk that for every penny I could get out of that. <laughs> and um, I just wrote a very horrific story about how he must be lonely and scared. And listen, we don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want anybody to get in trouble. We just want our bear back. <laughs> it hit every... Um, Channel, or the CBS affiliate did a story on it. There was a station called, and I don't know if they're still there, Chicago Land Television. They did a story on it. <clears throat> and um, the next day, the number one radio station in Chicago did a story on it. The, and that WGN affiliate in Chicago mm -hmm. did a story on it. And we had so much publicity that people were coming into the store telling us, oh, I saw your commercial. <laughs> you mean the <laughs> one where the bear was stolen? And there, because CLTV ran it for two full weeks, it was a small news, uh, personal interest story. So they ran it for a couple of weeks. And I said, yeah, that they said, yeah, that one. So which gave me the idea to go film a commercial. 
So mm-hmm. we did. We hired a uh, we hired Comcast to, and we could go with. I had to write a script, thirty second script, and then they came out and filled the script with, and they put a voiceover behind it. And I will say that was at that time I could run a, I could run that commercial on. Um, it was called a True TV or the Crime Show. Um, what the crime? True crime or sci-fi or something like that. And the Discovery Channel at that time, I could run that. They ran a promotion for $2, right? Wow. $2, I could run that. Anywhere from $2 to $28 every time it ran on cable television. (laughs) I think when people hear the word commercial, they immediately think Super Bowl, right? Every commercial has got to be about a million dollars. No. And now they're probably $3 million, but um, it was really very reasonable to do that. It cost us about $2,000 in production cost. And we had a, a commercial that whenever I had money, I would just call them up or ever we needed a bump in sales. I would call them and I'd say, I've got a thousand dollars. Can you just run commercials? Now, I don't think they work that way anymore. Um, and they definitely want to have a contract with, but we were on a, this was, I think when they were, must've just been starting to do that because they didn't ask us for a contract. They didn't ask us that we spend X amount of dollars every month because I couldn't, right? I just couldn't justify that. But we ran it several times over a few years and really brought in a lot of new customers we would have never gotten if we hadn't brought a commercial, if we hadn't run a commercial. So I think I think uh, commercials for a small business like that, there was a plumber here in my town that would, expert plumbing, I'll never forget the name of it, but he would always do funny videos with his wife, like waking up in the middle of the night, jumping out of bed because somebody had a plumbing plumbing emergency that he had to go to. (laughs) So if you make your commercials interesting and fun and get your point across and solve the problem for the, the problem that your ideal clients have, if you've got the solution and you can solve their problem, that's a great commercial. Yeah. Right? And, and you can and you can do those on the radio, you can do those on cable, and you can do those on YouTube. Yes. On, tic, on TikTok or on Facebook. Uh and, and you today you don't have to hire a production company to do it. You can do it with your smartphone. Right. And back Instagram. in the day though, right? Back when I was doing it, there was no TikTok, there was no YouTube, there was right. no Facebook Live even. So yeah. we're I mean, we're talking really early, pretty early 2000s. And yeah. um, all of that, but Facebook came on the market, I don't know, 2006, seven, maybe-ish, somewhere in there. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, but these uh, things work though. They, they continue to work. Yes. Uh, the medium might change, uh, but the ideas and the, the idea of connecting with your clients, with solving a problem that they have, with having great customer service, giving them something of value for free, uh, you know, getting your messaging right. What else is it? Uh, and strategic volunteering, all those things will work uh, online and offline. Yep. And and uh, whether or not you have a, a chocolate shop or or a uh, a coaching business, which which you also have, and you're you're coaching people to uh, now uh, in in their second act, uh, so to speak. Uh, who uh, can you talk, just mention a little bit about that? And then we're going to have to wrap it up, I think. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm right now I'm, I'm doing, I'm planning an event. It's in October for um, women business owners over 50 who are in their second act, 
right? Mm. And why, why the, why her, right? Because I am her, right? I'm in my second act. I have trans, this is, I have been a serial entrepreneur for the last 38 years. And this is how I intend to reach my final destination is mm -hmm. by doing this. And mm -hmm. it's about that woman who wants more fun, time, money, clients, a better life, right? A better life as she goes into her second act headed toward her final destination. Right. We're not really right. going to talk about her final destination though. But <laughs> just right. Saying, right? Yeah. Huh. Okay. So as we wrap up, Jean, thank, and again, thank you for so much for the enlightening I, stories. Uh, I, I've got a hankering for some chocolate. Uh, what are three things our listeners can do today to put these ideas into action? Uh, number one, number one, download the, the, the PDF, right? Five marketing strategies that'll make your business more appealing because there's, there's, we didn't even cover the marketing section of that, which there's some really good things in there about that. So download, okay. that's number one, download the, so you get some other stories and some other ideas. Number two is implement something. Pick one thing there that's on the list and implement it fast, right? Just pick one thing. There's most of this stuff costs zero dollars, right? Yeah. Zero dollars to do. And the third thing is, is uh, pay it forward. Who can you help? Who can you help by giving them an idea off this list? What other business owner do you know that's struggling? And you can give them an idea, hopefully, to help them start to turn around their revenue and increase their uh, turn around their business and increase their revenue fast. It's exactly what I had to do when I bought two bankrupt businesses. Right. Excellent. And so, and you can get that PDF download, the five low cost, no cost marketing strategies that make your business more appealing at fivemarketingideas.com. That's the numeral five marketingideas.com. Thank you. And thank you so much again, Gene. Uh, as we sign off, remember, faith and action go hand in hand. So put the pedal to the metal. Until next time on the Lead Machine Growth Show, I'm Paul Guyon and my great guest, Gene Kuhn. So long for now. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for tuning in to the Lead Machine Growth Show with Paul Guyon, where we show you how to tackle your tech, master your message, and design your dream so that you can transform your vision into reality. Remember to visit our website at www.leadmachinegrowthshow.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Lead Machine Growth Show.